looked at in chapter 7 is that we shouldn't do what? What should we not do? Judge. We don't judge other people. All right? Who is the ultimate judge over all of this? Is it us or is it who? It's God. All right? So if God tells us not to judge and then through Christ Jesus, he gives us the fact that we need to start in one particular place. He says if we have a point where we think that we need to judge somebody else, we need to not look at the speck that's in their eye, but we need to look at the what that's in our, our log that's in our own eye. So we start with us. So if we begin with us, there has to be a process by which we go about fixing us. So today in chapter 7, verses 7 through 12, what we're going to look at is the modus operandi, the method of operation of how we go about correcting ourselves, not correcting everybody else. Now, look, we do this all the time, right? We tell everybody else how they should live, shouldn't they? Don't, don't we? Come on. It's all right. You shake your head. You do. You know, we tell everybody else how they should be living, and we forget the fact that sometimes we don't set the best example for them because we're not living the right way. We've got stuff in our own lives, and we're trying to point out everything that's in everybody else's. Well, what that does is that leads to hypocrisy. And so the world looks at us and says, you can't live this way on yourself, but you can tell us how we're supposed to live. So what we got to do is we got to clean out our closets. We got to get ourselves right. And so the modus operandi that we're going to be looking at today, I'm going to read you the whole passage, and then we're going to go back and we're going to break it down verse by verse or portion by portion. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you that when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will not give him a snake? Will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who seek him? In everything, therefore, treat people in the same way you want you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. So the first thing he says for us to do is ask, and it will be given to you. All right? Um, the first thing is that the asking part is the motive is our key. When we go and ask, that's a big deal, isn't it? So we sit back and look at God. God says, I can ask him for whatever I want. I want to win the lottery. I like a new house. I want a new job. I want a new car. So we just get to go and we get to ask for whatever we want from God. And God gives that to us. In fact, in the church today, sometimes we preach this. And this is wrong. When, when God says for us to ask, he looks at one part of us. Does anybody know what that part is? He looks directly at our heart. He's not looking at what we want. He looks at our heart. So us as believers, God is looking back past all this surface stuff and the things that we desire for ourselves. And he looks at our heart to see where we're coming from. So motive is the key behind the ask. We just can't go out and start asking for everything that we want. Scripture tells us that God meets our needs, not our wants. So as followers of Christ, we're trying to learn a lesson of how to live like Jesus. Did you see Jesus asking for everything that he wanted when he was on this earth walking, when he was walking with his disciples and when he was teaching them? Did he just go out there and ask for whatever he wanted? No, he took care of what he needed and everything else was left. 
And so that's the way we have to look at this from life's perspective. When we go and we ask, we need to be asking and thinking about asking what we need. What do we need to make us a better follower of Christ? What do each one of us need to become so that we will be more faithful in our walk to Christ? So we need to ask from the proper motives. Motives are the key. James says this in chapter four, verses two and three. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. So we gotta ask. We can't just go do it on our own. Then we're acting independently of God. So we need to ask God to provide for us that which we need. And we need to do that with the proper motives. Otherwise, we're never gonna receive it because our motives are bad. What, What happens when we ask for things from the wrong perspective? God sees in our heart that we're gonna use that for our own good and our own glory. When God gives, it's for his good and for his glory, the glory of the kingdom. And sometimes, Even when we receive, it causes us to have to make a sacrifice for that which has been given. Oh my goodness. So you're telling me that we're gonna receive something from God and it's actually gonna cost us something. That we're gonna actually have to give something on top of what we're asking for. I wouldn't be asking for it if I didn't need it. But the fact that God meets my need doesn't necessarily mean that it's about and for me. God gives to us so that we can be givers to others. Do you understand where we're going to this? Remember verse 12 in this? Verse 12 is the central part of this. This is all building up to verse 12. So verse seven is sitting here telling us that we should ask. The second thing it says is that we should seek. And he who seek finds. When we seek, effort is the key. (laughs) You pray one time, you ask God for it, and then you go, you know, it's out of my hands. God's got it. One time, one time. If you lost $1,000 in your house, you'd go what for it? You'd go look for it, wouldn't you? If you can't find your keys, you go look for them. If you lose something that's of value to you, you go and what? You look for it. And we obsess to the point that we don't stop looking until we what? Find it. But we will pray to Jesus one time. And then we go, it's in his hands. I've given it up. It's all him. He says that we need to start seeking. Okay, so you prayed to God for something that you need. God knows I need to be a better follower of Christ, and so I'm just gonna pray. I'm gonna do what Pastor Tim says. I'm just gonna ask, God, make me a better follower of Jesus. Are you gonna start looking around to see what he does in your life and through your life to make you a better person? Are you just gonna say, well, why did that happen to me? Why all of a sudden is this going on in my life? Or we start to question God when he starts to move in our lives. I liked it the way it was. Just keep it, I'd like to go back, please. No disruptions. I'd like to stay in my circle of comfort. You see, when God looks at what we need, that generally means we have to be moved. If we are moved, then sometimes we think God's gonna just show up and do all of it himself. Scripture says if we draw near to God, God will draw near to us. Who's moving first? We are. So as God 
as we ask God to make us a better follower of Christ, the next step is for us to move. We've got to go seek. We've got to go look. We've got to go find what God is giving to us. God is given to us. If our motive is right, God is going to provide that for us. The next step for us is to seek and find it. Proverbs 8.17 says this, I love those who love me and those who diligently seek me will find me. In Jeremiah 29.13, I know you've probably all heard this one. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So if God's looked at our heart and we need to make a change in who we are so that we can be a more of a fully devoted follower of Christ, a better believer, more Christ-like, a better light in a dark world, whatever terminology you wanna use for it, then we're gonna have to move. As we move, there is a drawing of us towards God and God draws to us. As God draws to us, as we move to Him, this is where we find the answers. But if we stand pat and say, we're gonna be immovable in this, then guess what? There's no drawing of God. This process stops. So the first thing you gotta do is you gotta ask. The second thing you gotta do in this is you gotta go seek, you gotta move. There's gotta be some sort of movement in your life. Okay, so we wanna lose weight, but we wanna keep eating the same foods that we've been eating all of our lives. Does that match up? It generally doesn't, does it? You've got to go make some changes in your life, in your diet, in your movement. You've got to do something to change that or transform that. How would any of us ever think that that's going to happen in our lives, that we're just going to go, I'm going to eat the same thing I'm going to eat, and it's just going to magically fall off of me. We should start a commercial and go out there. You can just be who you want to be and eat what you want to be, and you will lose weight. They would throw us off the air because it's a what? It's a lie. It's a lie. We can't live that way, but we spiritually want to live that way. Let's think about this from spiritual food aspect. So we want to be the person that God wants us to be, but we want to get up and go to work and come home, do what we need to do in the evening, go to sleep and go back and do the same thing again. And we don't interact with God in any portion of that. We don't pray, we don't read, we don't study, we don't learn. So therefore, when we look around in life, we go, God is not active in our life. God is all around you all the time. We're just not looking for him because we're not seeking him. And we're never gonna find him when we're not looking for him. So ask. The second part of the modus operandi, the method of operation for us is to seek. The third thing says, and to him who knocks, it will be open. Knock. The third thing that you need to see is that persistence is the key. <laughs> uh. Has anybody ever been door to door for anything? Anything? Have you ever just had to go through a neighborhood and walk on, knock on doors? Uh, first church plant, it was still okay back in the day. This was the, this was the 90s my first church plant. So before I ever had a service, they wanted me as a part of missionally learning my community to go knock on doors. I went to 600, I knocked on over 600 doors, going door to door in neighborhoods, 
to find out all about our neighborhood, what the preferences were, were for, for worship and why people didn't go to church and all this kind of stuff. I had a questionnaire, I asked them. That was the most enlightening thing in the world to knock on somebody's door. Somebody's at the door. Just go hide somewhere. They'll go away. They'll just they'll go away. I know your home. I can hear you inside. So I either at that point had one of two things go, you know what, I'm not going to fill this survey out. You know, I had so many that they wanted me to do per week before we got, so I was, but no, what was I like? I heard you in there. They were like, shh, shh. And I was like, I know you're in there. Come answer my Jesus questions and I'll leave. I was knocking until they came to the door just to mess with them at that point. You know what I mean? But we're like that. We, we'll knock one time and then walk away and think, well, I did what I was supposed to. I gave it a try. I gave it a good old, gave it my best effort. No, if you want it accomplished and you want it done and you want it finished, how many are you that type of person? You can't leave anything undone. Come on, I know some of your personality types. You got to finish it no matter what, Right? Don't stop with Jesus. Ask, seek, knock, be persistent. If you don't feel like that you found yet what God wants for you for the next step for your life, then you're still seeking. If you're still seeking, then you gotta still be knocking. You gotta still be knocking on God's heart saying, give me the answer, show me the way. What is next for my life? What is the growth phase for us? How do I become more like Christ? What is next for me? Be persistent in that. Proverbs eleven nineteen says this, he who is steadfast in righteousness will attain life and he who pursues evil will bring about his own death. That word that's used most oftenly in the Old Testament and then Paul uses it a lot as well is steadfastness. That is the persistence. When you see this word in scripture, it's not talking about enduring something. Steadfastness is about getting to the end, persisting, be following through with it, finishing. That's what being steadfast is all about. Our job is just to keep it up and keep it going and keep knocking until we get an answer. The answer that we're looking for because we are seeking where God wants us to be and where he would have us to go. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Anybody in here ever been spiritually tired? Spiritual fatigue is on us. Spiritual fatigue is on us. Scripture tells us over and over again, draw near to God, God draws near to you, and he, the Spirit of God, when we seek God, he will fill us up. The Holy Spirit is to fill us up. That's the job of the Spirit of God is to keep us filled. The Spirit of God lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit, a piece of the Trinity, lives within us every single solitary day. Its job is to keep us connected to God and to keep us filled up. We become empty when we don't engage the Spirit that is within us. When we don't engage the spirit that is within us, we are working and operating under our own abilities and our own 
power and strength. And so when we're working under our own abilities, power and strength, we get weary. And I am a weakling because I do it all the time. I do it all the time. I don't need to bother God with this. I can take care of this. And when we do that, we're doing it in our own strength. I'm not saying that we don't get finished and it doesn't all go well, but I'm telling you that it will drain us. We have to find those things, those places. I don't know what it is. Maybe Sunday morning preaching doesn't fill you up. And that's okay, I get it. I've listened to me before too. Woohoo! Uh, you know, all right. And so maybe there's a podcast that you listen to throughout the week. Maybe there's a book that you need to go read. Maybe there's someone that, you've, that has been kind of like the person, your kind of go-to writer or author or something like that. And you can read, fill them up. Get all the stuff that you can from them and fill yourself up. Endure your preacher on Sunday and then you keep going. This is what we need to do. This is how this works. This is the method of operation. Don't go, he stinks as a preacher. Probably everybody else knows that as well. So what you do is you figure out how to fill up yourself. Don't wait for somebody else to fill you up. You cannot. You can read, you can listen, you can learn on your own. It is a process that you and I must go through. Whatever it takes to make that happen, we've got to sell out to that. We've got to ask, seek, knock, and be persistent in it. Because when we don't, that's when we get wore out. When we get wore out and we get tired, stuff happens. Ever been working outside in your yard? Maybe you've been doing it for a few hours and you hadn't had anything to drink. What happens at that point? You become thirsty? Are you moving as fast as you were before? Do you find that your strength begins to go? What do we keep, keep doing? We go, well, I've only got 30 or 40 more minutes. I can suck it up and make it happen. And the tireder we get, then you go back and look two days later and you look at the last stuff that you did in the last hour of that day, trying to make it and just finish it through. And you go, man, that's crooked. What was I thinking there? I wasn't digging that hole near deep enough. The whole fence starts going uphill. Why is that? Because what? We're tired. We should have just stopped, grabbed a Gatorade, whatever we needed to do, refill ourselves up, then get back out there and do that. Allow the Lord to fill you up. Allow him. And look what he says. Keep going right here. The next verses, it says, Or what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? You see, the end result in this is the gift that we get. That gift is a promise, a promise of God. Does God break promises? No. no. Does God not fulfill or leave promises unfulfilled? No, he finishes. God finishes. God completes. God brings order. So we have to realize that when we go out and we seek this and we knock and, when we, and we're persistent about it, that God is going to give that which we need. We're not going to ask for, uh, what was it it said, a fish 
and we're going to get a snake. We're going to receive what God, we're asking for from God. God's going to give it to us. (laughs) I'm going to tell you this. Sometimes we don't like what God gives us. And I'm saying that, that the fish became a snake, but maybe you were looking for a bass and you got a trout. I don't know what it is. The fish that comes to us or that which comes to us doesn't often or always look like we think it's going to look. I'm going to tell you this. When you receive your answer, it generally requires more work from you. All right. So God finally shows you what you need to do, and then he's going to call you to step up to that. The, the greater God's gifts and blessings from it, the more responsibility that he's given to us. So as he increases that for us, our responsibility level grows. Why is that? Because it's not about us. It's not about us. Can you say that with me? It's not about us. Verse 12. In what? everything. Repeat that with me. In what? Everything. 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 Will these people leave me alone? No. Everything. Therefore. Therefore is a summarization of everything that he just said to us. So in everything, therefore, all this stuff I just told you, in everything, in every aspect of your life, physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, religiously, everything, as I grow you closer to Christ. Treat people in the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. This is called the what? What's it called? Golden rule. The golden rule. And in fact, um, Sheraton, you ever see Sheraton commercials? It's the new Sheraton commercials are based off of the golden rule. You know who owns the Sheratons? Sheraton's owned by the Mormon church. So the Mormon church, owner of Sheraton, is promoting the golden rule. We live by the golden rule, is what the Mormons say. All right? As followers of Christ, we have directive from God to live by this rule. All in red in your Bible. This is Christ speaking to us. He says, now this is different from any other religion's, you know, kind of um, impetus to, to the followers. This rule tells us to treat others how? The way you want to be treated. In other words, if you were that person, how would you treat you? If you were that waitress who brought you that meal that's messed up, how would you treat that waitress if that waitress was you? Well, she needs to learn a lesson, and I'm going to teach it to her right now. Or would you be going, mercy, 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 that was the idiot cook. I put that in the computer, right? I can show you, but the order came out wrong. This is not my fault. All I had to do was to deliver it to your table. Have mercy on me. How would you want to be treated if that was you in that situation? That's what God is asking us. You see, all others say we should treat others 
the way we want to treat them or how we think they should be treated. But scripture calls for us to treat people the way we would want to be treated if that was us. There's the extra step. So in everything in your life, in everything in your life, your work, your play, your church, what if you answered, spoke, acted towards others the way that you would want others to react and respond to you? That would change the course of life, would it not? What would happen if we were all in one accord under this? If we were all together on this? What would be the thing that would happen to the church and to our places that we live? Our response, that's the key to community. This is the key to community. How do we create community? Every one of us is seeking how we can become more Christ-like in our life. We're not looking at everybody else. We're not pointing out their deficiencies in everybody else. We're looking at the log that's in our eye and we're taking care of us. And at the same time, we're taking care of us and we're seeking after God each and every day in our life. And we're being persistent. We're getting up and doing the things that we're supposed to do, like read God's word, like pray to him, like seek after him every single day where we're looking around in our environment to see who God wants us to share with next or, or God wants us to be a, a leader to next or a mentor to next or someone that God wants us to, to share the things that have gone on in our life and how he's worked in our life next. And then at the same time, when somebody does something ignorant towards us, our response is not back in anger or hatred or evil. Our response is what? What would I do if I was them in this situation? How would I respond to myself? Whoa! Just think what would happen on Twitter. <laughs> that was a joke. Can you get that? What would happen on Twitter if everybody just thought this way before they responded? We would have no news. <laughs> we wouldn't be looking every morning when we wake up at all the crazy stuff that's gone on from Washington, D.C. to athletes to movie stars to any of it. Why? Because we'd be living in community. We wouldn't be going off on each other all the time. We'd be looking at how we make this better. How are we going to make America great again? Start living like this. It's not political. It's spiritual. This is how we do it. This is the method of how you and I should operate this is the method that God wants us to, one, find out how we can be closer to him so that we can respond appropriately so that we are growing in our faith. And as we're all seeking God and growing in our faith, guess what's gonna happen? Greer and I are gonna go closer to, grow closer to each other. Our relationships with our spouses will grow closer to each other. Our children we might actually have a relationship with them and they grow closer to each other. And then we watch them grow up and repeat that with their children. That'd be an awesome thing, wouldn't it? To see this go out multiplied through our families. 
And as we do this, and as we see this, then guess what? Everybody's going to look at this church, this community, this place, this group of people, and they're going to go, what is going on there? Get me some of that. Do you think that's what's going on right now to the church and the world? Is Is the world looking at the church going, I want me some of that. This is how we fix this. It starts with our character. Actually, it started back in Matthew 7 when we learned how to be a follower of Christ. And as we've walked our way through this, now it's coming out in action. I'm going to tell you this simple little thing. You'll never get to chapter 7 if you don't start at chapter 5 on the Sermon on the Mount. You got to start there. Everybody just wants to fix their character and who they are. God, make me a better person. Make me nicer. God never starts with the easiest person to be nice with. God always starts with the person who you dislike the most. You want me to show you how to be nicer? Let's start here. And that's where we got to start. Verse 5, chapter 5, excuse me. Mercy, kindness, compassion, peacemaker. I got to be all these things to that person over there. Because that's what God wants for me. That's how we're going to reach the world. That's how we're going to be transformative is a spiritually filled up believer living out our lives in front of everybody else with the same excitement that we will have six Saturdays a year in Athens, Georgia. Go Jesus! So last little story and I'll close. So we went to the baseball game, what was it, Saturday, two Saturdays ago, all right? So two Saturday nights ago, we go, we go to the Braves game. And the pitcher that was for the Los Angeles Dodgers was Alec Wood. Alec Wood was a University of Georgia baseball player. So Alec Wood graduated from UGA, playing for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He comes up to the plate. It's about, what, the seventh inning, sixth or seventh inning, somewhere along there. He comes up to bat. And so me being me, I, I, I looked at uh, Victoria and Taylor and I said, let's do this. And so I went, Georgia! And they stood up and went, bulldogs! And then I went, Georgia! Bulldogs! And then we went, woof, 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 woof. Oh my gosh. So then the Florida fans over here and then some dude from Alabama went, what did he say, 26, 23 or something like that? You know, so the whole place starts erupting with all this love back towards us because we stood up and did this. We can get a response from people with our faith if we will just stand up. And if we stand up, they may yell back at us. But that's what God's wanting us to do. Let everybody know who we are, where we are, and what we stand for. Is he in this place this morning? Yes. Has he spoken to you this morning? Lord, I hope so. That's been my prayer. My prayer every Sunday is not that you get my sermon or have the notes or all the blanks are filled in. My prayer is that you meet 
the Lord. Because I can't change a single solitary one of you. But God can change every one of us. Amen? Let's stand together. We're going to sing this morning as we sing. Maybe the Lord has spoken to you about something in your life. Maybe you need to do business with him. I don't know what that is. Please know this. We call this a time of invitation and a time of response. You can speak to me anytime. My information is in the worship folder. If you don't want to come forward here, the discussion and the dialogue does not stop when the music stops on this song.